Oh Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that this... I love the genius of God's word. I love your word, Lord. I thank you for the inspiration and encouragement that's been constant in my life for 34 years, Lord, with your word. I thank you the way you inspire us, the way you show us your love and your grace, the way times this, this word that's written 2,000, 4,000 years ago, some of it, can jump off a page and speak into my life today. And we invite your word, O oh God, to go forth like a, like a fire, like water to soothe, like oil to heal, like a sword to cut through, like a hammer to break through. For your glory, Lord. Amen. I want to read to you from Second Samuel. And uh, this is, this is um, one of these things that the Lord always pops into my heart every now and then. And, and just yesterday, it was one of them times, and I knew I was to bring it today. So I hope you're encouraged. I hope the Lord speaks to you. I trust that he will. And um, David, in the Bible, this king, um, that wasn't always a king. He was a, he was a shepherd boy. He was, he was like someone that was even outside of the family circles. And when you read the story, and when, when Samuel the prophet came to anoint the king, he went to Jesse's house, which was David was part of that household, and he brought in seven sons. To be, he said, look, maybe one of these are the kings. And he brought all of his sons before um, this, the prophet. And it was none of them. The Lord says, no, it's none of them to the prophet. And he, he says, is there any more? He says, oh, there's David. Like he was an afterthought. He wasn't, he wasn't sort of part of real part of the family and there's re- there's could be reasons for this and there's places in the Bible that when you stitch them together um, you, you can come to conclusions and one of the conclusions that people come to um, is that like David was uh, it wasn't he had this son David with a Gentile woman that's one of the David David said in Psalm I was simple from birth you know that like I, I entered this world in a not a normal situation and, and then there's great restoration of God in all of that if that's true because here you have Jewish and Gentile together in one person and David is always used as a type of or a shadow of Jesus and um, so David is, David is um, now king he's now king where we're going to read and he's had great victories God had pulled him God said you're going to be on the throne and then there was a waiting season and a testing season and a trying season and a shaping and preparation season for David that when you read it it was like all of our lives just we're not we're not entering Jerusalem as a king but we all get prepared we all have trying seasons we all have testing seasons we all have seasons where we fail it's it's that's it we're human and David was no 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 was like us but David Ended up being the king, and now he's, he's in the he's in the, the, the he's in the kingdom. He's ruling. He's after overcoming adversity. He's after overcoming the Philistines. He's after having great victories, coming into Jerusalem, bringing the Ark of the Covenant, all of this stuff. And it's like when everything settles, he starts to think about his friend Jonathan, who was the son of the last king, the outgoing king. And in them days, when there was a new king coming in, the new king would slaughter all of the relatives especially to a certain um, level of the lineage, he would say they'd get rid of everybody because they didn't want anyone standing up somewhere along the line saying, here, he's not the rightful king. I'm the great-grandson of King Saul. The the throne is mine. They never wanted that, so what they done was they got rid of everybody. 
And when this, when David became king, because Saul and his son Jonathan were king, killed in battle, when, they, when that happened, news came back to the palace, and this nurse or a nanny grabbed one of the grandchildren, one of Jonathan's children, which was a grandchild of the king, um, and ran. And while she was grabbing him, she let him fall, and, he, and he, 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 he ended up being a cripple. So she goes with this kid, and that's it. David comes on the throne, he has all these victories, he brings the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God to Jerusalem, <laughs> overtakes Jerusalem, brings the Ark of the Covenant, has all these victories, and he's thinking, is there anybody left? Because he, know, he knew he didn't kill them. Is there anyone around belonging to King Saul, anyone from the household of Jonathan, that I could bless? And we come into the story, because David is asking this question, and it's chapter 9 of um, 2 Samuel. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul of whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan was his best man. The slides came in, man. You're some genius. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Seba. They summoned him to appear before David and, and the king said to him, Are you Seba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul of whom I can show God's kindness? Seba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Seba answered, He's at the house of Makar, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makar. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honour. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Seba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm, farm the land for him and bring in the crops, so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Then Seba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servants to do. So Mephibosheth ate at, the, at David's table like one of his children. One of the king's sons. What a story. This um, story is, is, has a tragic beginning. And to be honest, it has a tragic ending when you read a bit on for this guy, um, Mephibosheth. But we won't go there today. But Mephibosheth crippled, living in a place far off from this place called Jerusalem, where he once roamed around as a, as a, a grandson of the king. A son... Of, the, of Jonathan, who was next in line. Can you imagine, like, as a grand, as a, a kid, running around, having everything that um, that life could offer you? There was nothing held back from him. And one day, it all goes wrong, and he ends up not only with his life under threat as normal things would have gone, but now he falls, or he's left fall as a kid, and he's crippled. One day, walking around the palace, and the next day. And the next time we see him, he's in a place called Lodabar, which was um, a place now where this cripple was dragging his legs. Lodabar was an incredible place when you read up on it. It's not mentioned that many times in the Bible. 
but it's mentioned when you read up in the, 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 the geography of where it was and the commentaries about Lodabar. One commentator said that Lodabar was so desolate and so isolated and so hot that even, um, even scorpions would fight to get under the leaf of a tree or a plant to get away from the scorching sun. It was, a, it, was a, it was a hard place to be. It was a hard place to land when you were after being walking around full of life, full of the things that life can offer you. And now you find yourself a cripple in, in a place called Lodabar. The bar means thing or word. And low means no. It was a place of no word and no thing. Nothing going right. Nothing, nothing, um, no word that could encourage you. No word that can thing set you up in life. It just means it's nothingville. <laughs> it's nowhere land. He was a real nowhere man living in a nowhere land, as the Beatles said. What a place to end up. And here's the reality as a side note. See, there was a fall in the Garden of Eden. That all mankind fell when Adam and Eve fell. When our mom and dads fell, they let us fall into the bargain. All of those who are born into humanity now had this crippling thing called sin. That everybody, according, uh, everybody compared to what God had for us was now living in Lodabar. A place where there was no word, a place where there was nothing good. Yet we had the word, but we hadn't got the presence of God like they had and they forfeited on their behalf. Sin is a crippler. I love the Bible. I tell you why. It puts us all on level ground. The Bible says, all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And I don't know about you, but I was 22 when I became a Christian. And that was so encouraging for me. Because I thought people in Bray didn't sin. I thought people in certain areas, I was so locked up in those flats, we never came out. And I thought anyone outside there, especially if they talk different or were educated, I thought they must have a perfect life. And then I become a Christian and I realised my own crippled, my own crippled life and how sin had broke me down as a person and, and all the things that come with sin, trauma, failure, things done to you and things that you've done on others, all that stuff cripples you, puts you in shame, puts you in shackles. And your insecurities, you find somehow your, you find security in your insecurities. This is who I am. This is the way I was raised. This is what I'm supposed to do. Why? Because I didn't know the name called Lodabar, but that's where I lived. Even if I had everything, I was still in Lodabar. Because sin is a crippler. Sin is a thing, is, is, is a human state that robs you of dreams, like his dreams were robbed. What God had intended for us was now robbed on us. Lodabar is a place where we, we live. God has this for us. And Lodabar is where we live. Way below the bar. Hello. Of what God has for us. That God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. And look at this man. Look at this Mephibosheth guy. You know when you're looking through Bible, for Bible names. Like when you have your kids or whatever. When you just love a little Mephibosheth running around the place. Do you know what I mean? Mephibosheth Morphe. It just rhymes, doesn't it? It just goes. Mephibosheth Kelly. Come up here. 
You wanted me, Fibichet. I'm sure we'd slaughter anyway in this place. But look at life. Look, look. Yes, sin is one aspect. And sin is always at work. Sin is a crippler. But look at his circumstances and, and apply it to our own lives at times, or maybe now, that you're rocking and rolling, things are going well, and the carpet gets swept from underneath you through whatever life circumstance, choices, choices of others, but you pay the price. That someone that once lifted you up drops you. Rejection. You end up in these places where there's no word of comfort. There's nothing that can mend my broken heart, as the BG said. All these philosophers. We've all been there. We're probably there now. Like life has a way of crippling circumstances. The brokenness of our own hearts and our own lives. That's like, man. No, that's where I live most nights in my head in Lodabar. But the good news is that David, the king, sent word to Mephibosheth. You're getting out of here. I want to find him. And he sends men with words to him. The king wants to see him. So if he was living in Lodabar, David sent his men to raise the bar. He says, no, God, like you might think this is what you deserve now. You're lucky to get out with your life. So maybe, you know, me in this place, just even if you're blistered, even if you feel scars, even if you're crippled, at least you're alive, at least you're still surviving. No, that's, that's, that's low the bar. See, the bar always gets lowered so that we're living way below what God has for us. Even if life has hurt us, and it has. Even if we've been let down, even if we've been dropped, even if we've been sinned against, lied against, rejected. That that's all designed. That the, the devil uses that to keep us way below the bar of God's uh, greatness for us or good for us. And it's only when we read, imagine him. This is my life. He resigned himself. He constrained himself because of the circumstances. And one day the word from the king comes. No, he wants you. He wants you. What? Look at the way even I read there. Look at the way the word says that Mephibosheth says, what do you want with a dead dog like me? Do you know, he, that's the way he's seen himself because Lodabar makes you look at yourself in a certain way. I don't deserve anything. Look, you know where I come from. You know what I've done. You know what I've taught. You know what's been done to me. Oh, oh, like, I'm a dead dog. He didn't even say, what do you want with a dog like me? He's the dog. He's a dead dog. There's something not going on here. There's something not working. And you want me? Do you ever get them things? You know, like I, I found it when I came to church first. It's like people are so lovely as Christians that you nearly like, I hear. What are they after? What do they want? It's like, you know, you've been so used to load the bar that you're like even someone being kind. You're suspicious of. What do they want? Imagine if baby said, what do you want with a dead dog like me? Is this all going well or am I the last in Saul's lineage that you want to give the chop? That's why he was probably saying, I'm a dead dog, I have nothing to offer, I'm not coming here to take anything. I'm not coming here, like, I'm, 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 I'm a nobody, I live in nothingville. David says, no, I want you to be like one of my sons. I've a place at the table for you. I've a place to bring you. And see, when you go from Lodabar, does it, does in, in, in Israel and in Jerusalem, God bless Jerusalem and Israel, and the Middle East and the people of Palestine, amen. amen. God stopped the war, Amen. amen. 
Stop the suffering, amen. But when you go, Jerusalem is situated on a hill. And it's called the Eliah. A-L-I-Y-A-H. Eliah. It's called the Ascendant. That you ascend up to Jerusalem. And here is, here is um, Mephibosheth in Lodabar. Where it's like a pit. Where it's like the deepest pit. Where there's nothing going on. And he says, no, you're going to start to rise. You're going to start, we're going to Jerusalem. We're going to leave there and go there. We're going to go on a journey to go to the place that's called the city of peace, the city of God, the city that's most desired. That's where you're going. But I'm a dead dog. No, we're going there because the king says, you're going somewhere. And the beauty of, of Lodabar is, and the beauty of the king sending the word. The king sends the word. The king always sends the word. This is what the Bible describes Jesus as. Jesus is the word of God. And God the Father sent his word into the world to say, you don't have to live in that place anymore because my son has raised the bar. He's done all the work. And if you confess and you believe in him, you get raised with him. That's why the Bible says we are seated in heavenly places, far above all powers, principalities, all demons, all, all life that we can be raised in him and rule and reign. And he gets brought up and he says, not only are you coming up out of there, you're going to sit on my table. Is that not what he says in Psalm 23? I prepared a table for you, even in the presence of your enemy. Even in the presence of all them voices that shouting at you, he says, you're going to feast on what I have for you, even in the midst of all of them. There's a journey, there's an ascending. That's his word, that's his word to you this morning. They might think like I've blown it. Now his word to you that he can turn that into good. That he can turn your mess into a message. He can turn the one who made the mess into the messenger of a message that's good news to other people. That's what he does. Now you don't know me, I know I don't know you, but he knows you. He knows your thoughts, your hearts, he knows what you've done and what's done to you. He knows how you have failed and how you failed. He knows all of that. And he still doesn't say, I'm going to leave you in low devices. You're getting out of here. You're busting out of here today. You're busting out of that today. And what Mephibosheth had to do was make a decision. He was going with, the, with what, was God, what the king had said. He had to make that decision. I'm going there. I'm, making, I'm going to leave this place. And I'm going to go where I've been invited to. And is that not all of our decisions? Is that not all of our lives? Like, oh, I'm telling you, what I've been crippled with, out of... All my 34 years of walking with Jesus. And I realise it's because I believe what he says. But when he doesn't do what he says, when I want him to do what he says, I start to get all tick with him. And like, Lord, I believe this. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. Like, I want to be God. And then when it doesn't happen, I start to feel sorry for myself. And it's crippling. I settle for a load of her. I settle for living in a space where I'm like, I don't even want to talk to God at times. And he always sends his word. He always sends somebody, something. And I thank God, I, I'm as, I'm, I, I don't know whether I'm a simpleton or not, but I am encouraged by the least thing. I could see a butterfly going, boy, I could be in the depths of despair. <whistles> wow. Look at the beauty of that thing. And I've nothing else but to give thanks to my Creator. 
I goes, um, I remember, I don't know whether to tell you were on this meeting, but there was a couple of meetings, and there were, there were meetings that we had to have as elders and, and a board, and there was things that we had to really apply ourselves to, and things that weren't going right. And I know Bernard and Rob was there, and I was, I was up in my bedroom at the window on the Zoom, and uh, we have a pet squirrel, not a pet squirrel, sorry, we have a squirrel that used to walk, run up and down the wall. And uh, they noticed, they were like, no, where are you gone? I said, oh, I'm sorry, the squirrel is out. And uh, like a squirrel, do you know what I mean? But, um, but like, I'm, I'm so glad that that's something that I don't know what it is. If I can see a lady bored, I can see the beauty of God and the majesty of God in the smallest thing. So he doesn't leave me there for long. Thanks be. But I know there's a choice that when it comes to I'm getting out of the bar and I'm going to go to where God has raised the bar. And that's our choice. And he wants to get us to that place. The city of God, look at that. The joyful city. The desired city, the city of peace. What, it, what in ascending out of Lodabar? If Lodabar was like God forsaken, if Lodabar was the most saddest, horrible place, like if, if Lodabar was, wasn't a desired place to be, if Lodabar where there's no peace, look at the ascending, look at the names of Jerusalem in the words that it's the city of God. You're going to where God dwells. That's why the Ark of the Covenant was there. That's why when David brought back, it was, it was saying, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant is where God dwelt. So he's like, I'm going to the city of God. I'm going to the joyful city. Do you know what I mean? There's a challenge to the self-pity. What? You're going to be joyful? I'll never be joyful again. Just go on the journey. Just go on the halaya. The ascendant to the city. To the place where you, where you desire to be. In the presence of God. The plan of God. The purpose of God. The city of peace where... Lauda Bar is not a place now of torment anymore. That you like the invitation is, will I ever have that peace again? And the answer is yes. You will have that peace again. And David wasn't somebody that like it, it, it really is true. That you sow, you reap. And David sowed this into Mephibosheth life. And then what happened was with David, he 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 sort of had loads of trouble in his own life. If you read on. He had some victories, but then he seen this woman that he desired that wasn't his wife and killed the man's, killed the woman's husband to get the woman. He had a death in his, in his, one of his children died as a result of it. One of his other sons raped his his, one of his daughters. Like, you talk about, like, then another son killed the son that raped Tamar. You talk about family upheaval. You talk about what's after going wrong here. Then the son Absalom, who killed the, um, I can't think of his name now, but killed the son that, that raped Tamar. He then gets restored back to the city of David, right? Then he says, I want to be king and, try, and then set up a, a resurrection or an insurrection to kick David off the throne. You talk about trouble, you talk about, you know, I don't know about you, but you ever do this, like, that, like, you make one mistake, right, and a couple of things happen, not maybe directly to do with that, but you're blaming yourself because it's because of that situation. I know I confess before God, read Psalm 51, and you see David coming out of low the bar, out that place of sin and murder and, and, and adultery and all that stuff. You see him coming out of that. He says to God, God, um, don't take your spirit from me. From me. He didn't care about Jerusalem. He didn't care about the riches. Just, whatever you do, just don't take your presence from me. So all of this was going wrong. And then Absalom's son had people on his side. And now the king, his dad, 
David, who all this had happened to, was now not in physically in Lodabar, but emotionally and mentally and spiritually in Lodabar. He lives. He lives. Jerusalem. He's now on the descent and not the ascent. He's now not on the, the raising up. He's on the getting brought down. And as he's going out of this place, it's, it's a tremendous story. If I was Steven Spielberg, I'd be making movies all about this stuff because you don't have to write it. God has already written it for us. And he's going out and there's men that were like, that only joined him a couple of days before saying, we're going with you. He said, no, stay with the king that's coming in. He says, no, we're, we're want to be with you. You talk about loyalty. All these scenes of women and children weeping when that king is coming out. Because they knew he was a king after God's heart. And David, <coughs> some people throwing stones at him. And some people loving him. I'm sure it's on the next slide, Mal. That David had to start climbing himself. Can I even see what bear star is? I can't see it here. Say that again. 15 verse 30. Yeah. So he leaves. He tells the Ark of the Covenant. Then he says, but David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, his head covered, and he was barefoot. And all the people with him covered their heads and were weeping as they went up. Now David had been told um, who was the conspirators and whatever. And when he gets there, there's somebody else there praying, waiting, who had already made a journey. My point is, is that David... Now in that load of our place, was now had to climb up to the place, and it says where he used to worship the Lord. And for those who are probably not, well, we're not in a place called Lodabar. We're in Bray, County Dublin. <laughs> and maybe today, like you have to start the ascent. You have, like David did. Like David starts going up to the Mount of Olives, climbing up a hill, because he made a decision, I'm not staying down at the bottom of the hill. I'm gonna climb to the I'm gonna climb, ascend up to the place where I worship God, where I have a history with God, where the word of God is. And there was a guy there, he was a hushite, he was already there. It was like, you're not on your own when you're climbing. You may feel on your own. You may feel no one else is going through what you're going through. But when you get to the hill, you're like, are you here as well? You have to go through this as well. You have to face this stuff as well. Exactly. That he was already there. But David had it in him. I'm going up. I'm going up. I was talking to a, a minister a couple of weeks ago. And in the conversation... He says to me, like we are both involved in something that there was, there was damage, heart damage done years ago where it didn't end well. And I was partly part of it, but I don't know how to say this without giving away any info. But uh, I was partly because I walked into something blindly. I was told something was said. And when I said it to this person, it was never said by the original person. And therefore I got dumped in it and he got dumped in it. And the other person got 
away smelling with roses. But it was the first time me and him have had to sit down in seven years. And I wasn't even about this. And he says, it's funny you're here. He says, because I really feel the Lord is starting to move on that stuff in my heart to go through a process of forgiving and letting go. He started the ascent. Seven years. That's why I'm saying some of this takes a long time. I'm sorry, but it does. Because he loves us. He doesn't wave a wand and it's all gone. Here I am, Lord. Every trauma, every situation, everything that was ever said or done or everything I was ever involved in, just wave the wand and I'll be healed. You won't even know yourself. You won't even, you wouldn't be able to. It's like going to a doctor and say, go and be uh, to a doctor, right? And the doctor says, no, I'm diagnosing you. You have, you know, you have something wrong with your, your liver, right? You have something, you have a tumour on the brain, right? There's something on the back of your eye there, right? Your arm is broken, right? Now just hop on the table and do all that surgery in one go. You'd never be able to handle it. The trauma to your body would never be able to withstand that. And yet, God is the same. He does it. In his way, in his time. And this man was like seven years waiting. And just a chance meeting, because I meant to meet about something else. He said, it's funny you're here. He was on the ascent. That God was sending his word. God was sending people into his life that just started to shake that little thing. He wants to bring us to the place of Jerusalem, city of joy, city of peace, the city where we desire to be, the city of God where his presence is full. And I bless you in your journey because I know this, God will get you there. Don't you love God? You know what, this is what I love about God, right? I'll tell you another one. I've seen the Bible recently. You know when we're praying for loved ones? Like, so I started to pray from reading some stuff. I started to pray um, you know, uh, Lord, if they don't come willingly, drag them out by the hair. Nice little soft, gentle pastor's prayer. And like, in the Bible, when, when um, Lot was in, remember Lot was in Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah. And the angels, you know, so Abraham is talking to the angels, talking to the Lord. He says, Lord, the Lord is going to destroy the place. He says, what if there's 50 righteous there? Oh, if there's 50 there, we won't do anything. He started getting nervous because he knew the place. What if there's 45 <laughs> He ended up down to five or something, like, like well, if there's five there, I know Lot's family does at least five of them. And, um, and anyway, the angels go in, you know the story, the angel says, you have to get out of here. And he wouldn't come out. So you know what they done? They dragged him out. Out of here. And I'm like, Lord, if I'm not leaving Lodabar, drag me out. Drag, get me out, Lord. I don't care how you get me out. Send angels to lift me by the shoulders. You're going out of here. You're not staying here. God has a plan and a purpose. And maybe so in our lives. I want to go. We want to go by decision. But he loves us enough to send people to go and push us out. Or antagonizes in low the bar that you don't even want to stay there. But that's God's intention for the antagonizers. Blessed are the antagonizers in God. Because they'll get you moving towards where God has you. Do you ever get that? And you go, I don't like the way he says that. I remember there's people in this church. One time I spoke and he said, I was going to hit you with my shoe. Praise God, at least it wasn't a rock. But what was God doing? He was using his word. We're over that now, Lorraine, you're all right. (laughs) (laughs) She probably said it to a few of you. But what was God doing? He was antagonizing, he was upsetting it. That even Lodabar wasn't comfortable at that time. So I pray, Lord, 
that we surrender that we surrender Lodabar and live in there and we start Lord we hear your word and say, we just know you don't want to leave us where we're at if we're living below the bar of God thank you that you've come to raise the bar today saying there's more there's a city on a hill it's a place of peace and joy you will have joy again you will have peace again you will have you will be in the desert place where God the city of God is God's presence is and Lord, I make a decision. And I don't know about you, but I have to make this decision nearly every week. I want to go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do and be who you want me to be. And Lord, if I'm stalling, if I'm dwelling too long in a place you don't want me to be in my mind and my heart and my emotions, will you kindly lift me up to the place, Lord, where I can reach for the bar that you've raised up in Jesus. That there truly is healing. And there truly is freedom. And deliver us from the... Deliver us and break us out of the jail of our... Of the security that we find in our insecurities. Break us out of that jail, O oh God. Deliver us, O oh God, from ourselves. Deliver us from our past. Let the word of the King come to us today. And saying, hey, there's a place at the table for you. There's a place at the table for you. So he raises the bar. And if we take a run and jump, that's our decision. He comes beneath us with his hand, and with his grace and his mercy. And he helps us. He gets us to the place over the bar. He seats us in those places, in heavenly places. But we have to take the run and jump. So I invite you today. Take a run and jump right into the arms of grace, in the arms of love, into the arms of Jesus.